0: Tonight is November the 11th, 2015, and tonight's message is called Heart Transplant. It's about a spiritual cleansing, a renewed heart, a spirit indwelling. And um, I just wanted to give you a little background on the story of this message first. <clears throat> I was actually praying that Spencer was going to lead worship tonight because uh, every time he leads worship, we worship all night long or all day long, and we never preach. Just so that's kind of just saying, you wouldn't have heard that word. <laughs> but it, all silliness aside, that's how this word came to be. Um, the Lord birthed this in me for prison about three weeks ago, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, we were in a pod. Worship went on. Worship went on. God was moving. So I didn't get to give the word. Um, the word kept resonating in my spirit. I knew it needed to be given. So I went home, studied some more, dug more into the word, went back to prison the next week no wasn 't ready because God knew what he was doing. Uh, went to Mexico while I was down there that 's when the message really came to life because I got to speak with not only my pastors but I spoke with the the men from Chicago. I really heard their heart, and that 's where all of this came from and so uh you know even though i didn 't get to give it when I thought it was it was it was needed to be given, God knew what He was doing. you know um, I think what it is is it was it was set for a different set of prisoners. It wasn't for the guys in prison. It's for us. You know, let's not fool ourselves, guys. Just because we're in church doesn't mean we're not prisoners. We're prisoners to the sin that's in our life, the things that hold us back from God. So, also I wanted to show you that just how God is moving (coughs) among us in the church and with each other because this message goes hand in hand with exactly what's been going on in church for the last three weeks or so. We see uh, two weeks ago, we had water baptism out here. So here we're talking about a spiritual cleansing. Um, we had, what was the other one? <clears throat> Last Sunday, Pastor Eric talked about a semantic drift. So our words drifting, they're getting off course from what they were originally said as. So just think, if our words can be set adrift, how much more could our hearts be adrift just by the things that we say? So right there we see that we have a renewing of our heart. Also, Elder Baj, he spoke last Wednesday about a root upheaval. Um, He talked about Jeremiah 12. He said that the Lord uproots all wicked from among the people, but has compassion and will bring them back to his own inheritance and country. And his main thing was he was talking about us being uprooted from our established past, that we have to move forward, and that we have to do it with a wholehearted devotion. So as we step into the message tonight, <clears throat> I wanted to recap on um, 1 Chronicles 28, verses 9 and 10. So if you would go to that right now, and we'll bring it up on the screen. This ties in very well with what uh, the beginning of the message is. So it's First yeah, yeah. Chronicles 28, verses 9 and 10. There. 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 Right, he says... And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion. Everybody say wholehearted devotion. And with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart, not some, every, every heart. And understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Hmm. Consider now, the Lord has chosen you to build a temple as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Amen. <clears throat> be strong and do the work. And what we have to do sometimes is we have to take the scripture and we have to personalize it to ourself. Um, I'm going to reread this because this is how I reread it sometimes to my own self. We read this scripture and it says, you know, be strong and do the work. We read the scripture and it has all the pronouns of you and them and us and all that. And I know sometimes when I'm reading it, I say to myself, wow, that's a good word for somebody. But I forget (laughs) that word is meant for me. And so listen to it in this form whenever I personalize it for myself. Let it resonate in your spirit. It says, and you, my son, buddy, acknowledge the God of your father, Richard, and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind for the Lord searches my heart. And understands every motive behind my thoughts. If I seek him, he will find; uh, he will be found by me. But if I forsake him, he will he will reject me forever. Consider now, for the Lord has me, or, or for the Lord has chosen me to rebuild a temple as a sanctuary. So what I'm saying is, <clears throat> be part of it. Put yourself in that place. Be the part that helps build that temple. You know, don't be one of those that when you're building a house, you hire a contractor because you don't want to do anything. See, (laughs) we are the Lord's contractors. He's chosen us, each and every one of you in this room. He's chosen you to help build his house because that's how he completes his plan is with, with us. He's chosen us for a purpose and that's to help complete his house. So think of yourself as a contractor for God. Don't, don't sit back let God build his kingdom and just say, "Huh, I'm going to step right in it. Man, this is beautiful. I'm ready. You know, i got everything. The inlaid gold. I mean, you name it, we've got it. No, be the one that helps build it. There's more satisfaction in there when you know you've done something. Um, Pastor Eric knows that well from being on these trips, having the fifth wheel break down. He knows what it means whenever you have to put in some hard work, how much more you appreciate something instead of just having it handed to you. So be like that contractor. <clears throat> Abraham. Abraham is a great example of uh, answering God's call on his life with wholehearted devotion. If we go to Genesis 12. Genesis 12, verse 1 through 5. Let's take a look at that. Look, if uh, just a side note. If you don't have a Bible with you tonight... Get close to somebody that has one and y'all share them. And I always hear people saying, man, I'm looking for the opportunity to share God's word. Well, guess what? Here's the opportunity. (laughs) Slide next to somebody and share the word of God with them. Bible. Get a Bible, right? Y'all may have heard this already, but what does Bible stand for? Basic instructions before leaving earth. And that's exactly what you need a Bible for. So that way we know how to live this life before we leave the earth. We can't wait till we get there and pretend like we know what we're going to do. It's like going to play on a football field. You're in the game and you've never practiced before. You know, they hike the ball and you're looking around. What's going on? Same thing. Once we get to the kingdom and you're standing before the king of kings and you don't know what his word says, you don't know what the instructions were for life, we're lost. Okay, let's go to the Genesis 12. Everybody's there but me. (laughs) Genesis 12. Okay, so here in in, uh, chapter 12 we see this is the call of Abraham. Later we'll get to uh, chapter 15 where he talks about the covenant of Abraham. But verse 1, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. No pressure, huh, Abraham? So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, um, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions he had accumulated, and all the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Hmm. We have to leave. Goes back to what uh, Baj was saying. We have to leave something that has been established to go somewhere where we do not know. Um, God gives us promises. He calls us. But we don't know yet what it's what the calling is. Uh, we have to be prepared that when he calls us, we have to go, no matter what the circumstances are. Many of us in this room are like that. Now, if any of you guys were here our, our uh, Monday night, Pastor Eric shared with us an extremely amazing revelation that he got just that day. Right? Yes. About the seven eye wheels, and uh, that truly blessed my life because as I was studying this, we look here in chapter 12. How many I wills do you think there are here? No, six. (laughs) Okay, but get this. While I was studying, this is what the Lord showed me. There are six I wills in here. Why six and not seven? What do we remember that number six is? Number six is the number of man. That's when God created man on the sixth day. It stands for humanity and our human weakness. While I was studying, I'm like, you know, Lord, I just heard this great revelation from Pastor Eric. Where's seven? I'm, I'm lost. Um, and I'm sure it doesn't always have to be seven, but I was just curious. I'm like, okay, Lord, you're going to sh- you're gonna have to tell me something. What he revealed to me was this. The Lord did six things. I will, I will, I will. On the sixth day he created us, we have to now, or, or the Lord has to now take a Sabbath. He sits and rests on the seventh day. This is where we come into play. So we, you guys and myself, we're the seventh I will. This is where we say, I will, Lord, no matter what, I will. So all the things he's told us, all the things that he's done for us, it's now our opportunity to say, I will. I will. That way we can help complete his call. Um, so we have to answer that call. We have to respond. Um, guys, I want to take a second here. This is like my little infomercial. you know, you usually in a good program or something. All of a sudden, there comes an infomercial. But I don't want to edify or I don't want to exalt man. I want to edify my brother and my pastor Eric because this is a very anointed man of God. And the revelation that he is receiving from God that is blessing all of us. I hope you guys realize that. Um, what he shared with us on Monday night is now being able to be preached from the pulpit right here by myself. And many of you guys that will have the opportunity because of the revelation that he's getting. I just want y'all to realize that we are walking and doing life amidst a very godly man because of his faithfulness and obedience to God. And I love him. And I just wanted to take a second to edify him for that. And I also want to take this time to encourage you guys that we cannot all sit back and continue to live life off of our brother's revelation. God expects that we all gain our own revelation. We have to study and dig deep in his word so we all get a little gold nugget. See, when we get those gold nuggets, we have to share them with each other. That's what spurs us on. That's what creates a body of Christ here to where we can push one another forward. We can't just sit and rest on somebody else's coattails. So, brother, I thank you so much and love you very deeply for just the tenacity that you have for serving Christ and that you light a fire under all of us, you know. So thank you so much. Okay, back to the program. Let's go to Genesis 15, verse 18 through 21. We're going to see now about the covenant of Abraham before I read that I want to look at uh, just a side note you don't have to go this I mean it's right there God's covenant with Abraham verse 1 it says after this the word of the lord came to abraham or abram in a vision and he said do not be afraid abram i am your shield your very great reward i just like that that i like how god reinforces to him that hey don't worry, I'm with you. I'm your protector and I'm your rewarder. Um, that gives me great comfort knowing that my God is my shield, my protector, and also my rewarder. So if I serve him with faithfulness and obedience, I will surely get the prize. Um, we're never guaranteed, but I know I want to hear well done and good. Well, well done, good, my faithful servant, right? Amen. Okay. So... Can you imagine how Abraham must have felt, with this promise given and he obeyed? See, he he had a calling; God called him, made this covenant with him, and um, he still did not have any children at this point. So let's go to eighteen twenty one. Let me read it. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, "To your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt." To the great river, the Euphrates, and the land of the Canaanites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gershurites, and the Jebusites. So at this point, God's making a covenant with Abraham, and Abraham doesn't even know where he's going. He's hearing that he's going to give some land to his descendants, and he's like, man, I don't even have children yet. He doesn't give him children. We see it there in, uh, in the next chapter, in chapter 16. So it just gives me reassurance from, from uh, verse 1. That's why I read it. Because God is a great rewarder with our faithfulness and our obedience. So God's given him his eternal covenant by giving him the land. Let's go to uh, Nehemiah chapter, seven, uh, chapter 9, verse 7 and 8. We're going to see the same thing. Through, uh, let's see, where's my brother's in the Acts class? Nehemiah. Is that in the writings or the prophets? The writings. Ah, very good. So listen, those are the other things, guys, these nuggets that we learn by being in the Acts class. If you have not taken the Acts class, when we get ready to start a new one, I suggest you sign up for it because uh, it's good. It'll bless you tremendously. Nehemiah chapter 9. Verse 7 and 8. Okay, so at the beginning of the chapter we see... I'll read this. It says, You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur and the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you and you made a covenant with him. To give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Gergashites, you have kept your promise because you are righteous. What we see here is that the Israelites, the Israelites at this time, they were turning away from their sin. They were going back to the word of God, and um, they started to worship the Lord. They were calling to him. They stood up. They praised him. They renewed their hearts back to God. And we see the same thing back in Genesis. So after they got their hearts right with God, what did they do? They recounted the covenant that uh, God made with Abraham here. because He says, you found his heart faithful to you and made a covenant with him. See, we can see by what God is doing with Abraham. He's definitely in the heart transplant business. So when I was studying this part... I came up with a couple questions I wanted to ask all of you because, see, Abraham, Abraham is a great example of us. And um, if we're accepting that call by God, we need to be the same. So here's a couple questions. I just want you to think about these. Where is your heart in the process that we just talked about in uh, Nehemiah here? Who and how many lives will you affect or will you not affect by renewing your heart to God? See... If you're married, don't have children yet, God has already promised you some things. We have to step out and walk in faith. We cannot wait to see if we're going to have children to believe that He's going to give land to our descendants. Same thing if you're single. If you're not even married, God has already put things in place. He's already orchestrated things ahead of you. Just because you don't see it right now does not mean it hasn't happened. If God has spoken, it has already occurred. So, another one what and where has God brought you out of and do you have one foot in the old land and one foot in the new land are you willing to uproot completely don't be lukewarm don't be lukewarm we either be in the new land or in the old land we can't be in both places at the same time I know for myself whenever we were called to come here to LCMF somebody that really encouraged me was Brent Brent and his family Look, I thought, I thought when I moved, I was like, wow, that's a great act of God. You know, moved, sold the house in 30 days. We moved here 30 days after God spoke to us. But Brent, I was like, man, this brother came, he heard, and then moved. He didn't have a place to live or anything. He just came, found a hotel, and stayed there for a while. And I was like, now that's great faith. That's Abraham-like faith right there. Yeah. Brent didn't care what he had to do. He just knew. God called me, and I'm going. I was like, wow, that's good right there. And I said, well, I'm going to try the same, but mine wasn't quite like that. I mean, I I had to send my wife ahead of time, find us a house, you know. Brent, I'm working on faith like you, brother. I'm trying. I'm trying. All right. So we're stepping out. We're stepping out to what God has called us to do. What land is waiting for you to take possession of? So remember, Abraham didn't know where he was going before he went. He just obeyed. He That's just right. said, yes. He just said, yes, I'll go. Um, you have land that is waiting for you. And if you don't answer the call and you're not obedient, you're not going to get to that promised land that he's given you. Let's look at um, Hebrews eleven eight through 9. It, it explains exactly what I just said. Amen. <clears throat> it says, we're we in the Faith Hall of Fame, huh? So, I don't know about y'all, but I want to try to make it there. Amen. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive. See, he didn't, see, he didn't receive it right away because there wouldn't be faith. If God gave it to him ahead of time and said, look, this is where I want you to go, it'd be easy for us to go, but we wouldn't call that faith. As his inheritance... Obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Hmm. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Hmm. So we're going to go somewhere that we don't know, and we're going to feel like strangers in a foreign land. But that's okay because God has promised us that land. So we'll become rulers of that land. So it doesn't matter where we go, we'll take possession of it. I thought of Julia when I was reading this. It said uh, they even lived in tents. So Julia, we'll go somewhere be ready to live in tents, baby. (laughs) Whatever it takes to serve God. See, when we came here, of course, I've always loved this church. I've always loved the pastors. That's why we came for three or four years prior to finally moving here. But I myself, I told Kim the other day, I would be completely happy staying here for the next 20 or 30 years and serving alongside these pastors. I would be completely fine with it. The only problem with that is that's not what God called me to do. That's not, what call, that's not what God asked me to do. So if I did that, I'd be completely out of God's perfect will. I would not inherit that promised land that He has out there waiting for me. But I am here because God is preparing us. He's preparing me right now for... For me to have a new heart, a cleansed heart, for me to have a uh, renewed spirit, and to have His spirit indwelling. So that way when we go forth, I'll go with a pure heart, with obedience, so therefore I can serve the king of kings and fulfill the promise that he's given me. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's get into the main scripture for the night. That was kind of like our appetizer. I tell you... Everything has to be with food with me. So let's go to Ezekiel 36. (laughs) Ezekiel 36, verse 24 through 29. Put uh, put yourself a little bookmark. We're going to read this scripture, and after we do, we're going to hang out here. We're going to break this scripture down, but we will go to other places um, because I don't want you guys to take my word for what I'm saying tonight. I want you to see it in the word itself. Amen? Okay. We have. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. And be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. Hmm. Okay, so we just talked. Um, we just talked about the seven I will statements, right? I think it, what a coincidence. I had already prepared these two scriptures in Genesis and Ezekiel before Monday night. And uh, that's what I'm telling you guys, man. The revelation that we're getting here is absolutely amazing. So because of that, I was able to share with you what I'm talking about tonight. So in this one, we have, just in what I read, <clears throat> nine I will statements right there, okay? Nine of them. What I wanted to do is real quick, I wanted to show you, for those of you who were not at Monday Night Foundations class, which I uh, highly recommend you go, could y'all put Exodus 6, verses 6 through 8 up there? I just want to show you something that how amazing, like you didn't already know the word was amazing, but let's look at, real quick, I'm not going to go back over the teaching from Monday Night. I just want you to see, uh, that. oh, that's only 6, huh? huh. Okay just follow along look at uh, Ezekiel 36 in your in your book while I'm talking about uh, while I'm talking about Exodus so in Exodus the seven I will statements were this that uh, I will bring you out from the yoke of the Egyptians I will free you from slavery I will redeem you I will take you as my own I will be your God I will bring you to the land I will give it to you as a possession okay Let's look at the, so we see what we have in in Ezekiel. Okay, he starts out, I will take you out. I will gather you to your own land. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will be your God. I will save you. Do we see a pattern here? does god love us or what i mean we see right here his plan for for humanity i mean this is his plan of salvation right there i mean we heard it on monday we're seeing it again right here i think it's amazing i would have never picked that up if i would not have heard monday night's revelation from pastor eric let's go to verse 24 let's start there and break it down um for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back to your land. So again, God is doing something. Here we have to respond. Something is required. Okay? James four eight says that come near to God and I will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, because we were born sinners and we're scattered throughout the world, God is creating us To come close to Him. He's wanting to commune with us. But see our sin pushes pushes us away from the Father. We have to respond by having a regenerated heart for Christ Jesus. We can't do it on our own. So once we respond, God begins to bring us back to Himself. Um, We have to get to a place guys where we are continually searching our heart to commune with the Father. We have to get intimacy. Uh, we have to get to know him more and more. Let's look at verse 25. We talk about a cleansing, the impurities, and idolatry. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. In sticking with our Paleo Hebrew uh, studying, um, the word cleanse means to be pure, to purify, and to be righteous. Do we have the slide that we could put up for the uh, Paleo-Hebrew, please? So, again, while studying, it might be kind of hard to see. <clears throat> but again, this again is searching for those nuggets and asking God for revelation. And so, the Lord put purity on my heart. So I looked it up in the Paleo-Hebrew study. At the very top, is written in Hebrew. And then we have it written in the uh, modern. And it says it's a te, a hey, a resh, and a hay. The pictures for those, starting on your right to left, is a container, man with his arms raised high, a head, and then again, a man with his arms raised high. And what it means is, so we have a basket or a container, we have a revelation, or a revealing, or looking. Then we have the head of man first, top, or beginning. And then again, revelation, reveal, or look. So, here's what God revealed to me about this purity. Is that it's God's container of His Holy Spirit, or revelation, that is being poured out over man's head to reveal His Spirit and the revelation of a pure heart. See, in Matthew 5, 8, when we talk about the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So what I saw with this was the shalom of God, right? Because God is the head. That's where we get shalom. That's where we get the right order and right standing with God. So when we're in the marriage class, we learned that we need to have perfect shalom in our home, that God is above all, and then man then woman, and then child, and then just for fun, Pastor Wade threw in the dog. Okay, but we don't want the kids to be left out. They got to rule something. Um, so let's go to Titus 1, 15, and sixteen. It talks about this. It talks about being pure. Titus one fifteen and sixteen. It says, to the pure all things are pure. To those who are corrupt or who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences, consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient and unfit for doing anything good. see our actions have to reflect what our heart is is your heart pure do your actions everyday line up with what your heart really feels is your actions expressing what your heart is or what your emotions are Monday night we also heard about um, Hebrew word Yadah to experience God not just to know him I did a little study on that because, again, that's one of those gold nuggets that really blessed me. To Yadah Yahweh. It means that we have to have an experience with Him. Not just to know Him, but there's an interaction there. See, that Hebrew word, Yadah, it's an action verb. It's an action verb. It means we have to do something. You don't just know Him. You have to actually experience Him. Another, Another little blessing here. I looked up. There's another meaning for it. Strong's number 3034. It means the extended hand or to lift up. So what it's saying is to worship with extended arms or with extended hands. And when I read that, what it brought me back to was Elder Charlie's vision that he had. What was that, Charlie, 20 years ago? And that uh, his prophecy is that our church is experiencing God, okay, we are experiencing, we are Yada, Yahweh, because we are the church according to uh, Charlie's prophecy, our church is that extended hand, that extended arm of God, so that's why we are seeing such favor poured out on this church, you know, we just had the guys come from Chicago, and they were completely amazed and blown away by the worship service here by the prison ministry, by just the conversations that we had on the mission field. And you know, we're here. I don't want you to get blindsided. I don't want you to get blinded by the fact of what we're resting in because we do have something special here because of a prophecy given years and years ago. We are the extended arm of God for a purpose. And I don't think every church is. So we're sitting amongst something special here, guys. I want you to realize that because I know every time I talk to a visitor or a guest that either comes because... I've invited them, or someone close to you that you've invited, they all pretty much say the same thing about how anointing or how, how much they feel the anointing of God here during worship and during the preaching. Uh, so it's not to take, not to take lightly, guys. Um, let's look at the impurities. The impurities simply said it's our sin. And this is what is spiritually separating us from God. It's our uncleanliness of our physical body. Let's look at Zechariah 13.1. It says, On that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to purify them from sin and impurity. See, we need to be Purified, before we can accept the promises of God and walk into that promised land. We see that with the Israelites. What happened with the Israelites? They came out of Egypt, leaving their sin behind, and as they're walking through the Red Sea, they get cleansed. They have that spiritual cleansing, so that way they are purified when they come out on the other side to step into their promised land. That's what we have to do, guys. We have to be purified, so that way we are ready to walk into our promised land. The third one there idolatry that seems to be very prominent very prominent in the Old Testament even now today even in our own lives so much so that God already knew this let's look at Exodus 20 verse 1 through 6 this is whenever God gives the Ten Commandments because idolatry is so prominent there look at what he says before he even gives the commandments I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery Hmm. as there's so many of us in here tonight that we have to be willing to come out of slavery the bondage that we're held in in our own lives, I think a lot of times we're holding ourselves in bondage. We're holding ourselves in slavery. You know, it's kind of like the thing, the saying of the prisoners, you can open up the cells, you can open up the doors, but because they have such a comfortable life in there, they're getting fed three times a day, a nice warm bed, they're afraid to leave and go back out in the world because they know what's going to happen. If they're not prepared and equipped, they're going to return right back to the slavery, right back to their bondage. Same with us. I think some of us tonight, We're trying to break free. We're trying to get out of that slavery. We just don't know how. That or our heart has been so callous that we're not allowing God to renew it. Let's look at the commandments because of idolatry. You shall have no other gods before me. Also, he says, in some uh, interpretations, we'll not have any gods besides me. The second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth or beneath the waters below. I think he's pretty much covered all the areas. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who who love me and keep my commandments. Hmm. See, that's exactly what I was saying just now. <clears throat> you don't know the effect that you're gonna have on on your descendants. So if we continue to turn away from God, those that hate him, we're talking about what? Oh, a thousand generations, is that what it says? No, I'm sorry, three and four generations. But those that love him, he will bless a thousand generations. But guys, we don't know where our lineage stops. We know where it starts, but we don't know where it stops. We have to be obedient to God, so therefore those that come behind us are going to receive the blessing of their promised land. Um, go back to Zechariah 13.2. He says, On that day I will banish the names of the idols from the land, and they will be remembered no more, declares the Lord Almighty. I will remove both the prophets and the spirit of impurity from the land. Hmm. See, our generation and our nation's form of idolatry seems to be so subtle. But then again, is it? Is it really subtle? See, the American dream promotes it so blatantly that uh, it's called the American dream and idolatry comes in the form of the American dream. So we're talking about the big cars, big TVs, the fancy house, you name it. And that's what we're searching for. It reminded me, when I was a kid, I used to watch wrestling. And there was a guy named Dusty Rhodes. He was the American dream. So much so that he had like the atomic elbow, a fantastic move that he would finish people with. And he called it the million dollar elbow. Million dollar elbow. See, again, everything goes back to... Idolatry idolatry in the world. Because we want everything we want to have. We want to own all the possessions. We want to get all the riches. But we know we can have all the riches here on earth right now. And then we'll have nothing when we get to see the king, right? So I don't know about you guys, but I'm not searching out for the riches of this world. Because when I get to see the king, I want to have crowns stored up that I can present to him. Because the word says that he's going to have many crowns upon his head. And I want some of those to be mine. Amen. Amen. What idols have you allowed to slowly infiltrate into your life? Or how far has your heart drifted? We talked about that somatic drift. Search your heart. Ask God to reveal it to you. Again, we have to get revelation from Almighty God for ourselves. We can't have... We can't come in church on Sunday... Come to the altar here and just expect that, you know, Daniel's got a prophecy for me. Nolan has a revelation for me. I can't come in here in the presence of God and expect everybody else to give me a revelation for my life. I need to seek God and ask for my own revelation, right? Look at uh, verse 26. We're going to talk about a heart of flesh and a new spirit. Back in Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Hmm. I just talked about a callus. Callus is a toughened area of skin which has become relatively thick and hard in response to repeated friction and pressure or other irritations. See, a callus itself is not bad. But if left unattended, it can become infectious, just like our heart. If we allow our heart to become calloused over, after a while, we can get an infectious heart or a diseased heart, which then means we have to have a heart transplant. That, uh, I want to share a little testimony with you. I uh, did an evaluation on this lady about three weeks ago. She <clears throat> said she had a heart surgery. And I thought, oh, great, just a bypass or something like that, nothing major. Um, I got there and started talking to her. She actually had had a heart transplant. She had a heart transplant. There was a 19-year-old girl who had a brain aneurysm and died, and she was a, a donor. So she donated her heart, and then get this, also her kidneys to this lady. This lady also got to meet the man who received her two lungs. So we see... Now, I had a great time. I was there almost two hours with her because this just brought up a whole bunch of stuff because this is exactly what I was preaching on. I was like, man, this is crazy. I'm preaching in a couple, what I thought was a week or two because we were in prison, but obviously not. But um, I'm preaching about a word about a renewed spirit and a new heart spiritually. And here I am standing before a woman who is 55 years old and had just received a physical new heart. Now, what's crazy is this, is that... um, Her heart truly was diseased. She had coronary artery disease. She had a a pacemaker. She was on dialysis. So this lady went from literally almost being dead. Like she was on the donor list and her health was so bad she had been hospitalized three times prior to receiving the treatment. In fact, she was taken off of the heart list because her health was so bad that she couldn't go through the operation. So they nursed her back to health. They got her to a place to where she could receive that heart. So having a new heart, having new kidneys, I was like, man, that is crazy. I was talking about this with Pastor Wade, and he brought out a point that I didn't even realize because I was so focused on this new heart, you know. Um, He's like, check this out. She received kidneys. So we're seeing a new heart being renewed and cleansed, but kidneys, what do kidneys do? Kidneys are the purification system in our bodies. So she was being purified and cleansed all at one surgery. I was like, man, praise God. If God does not love us, I don't know who does, right? I mean, that's that's that was good. Yeah. So we have to be sensitive to God's divine affairs in the kingdom. We have to have the spirit of Christ. That spirit of Christ is meekness and holiness and gentleness. Let's turn to... Uh, I don't turn there. I'll just read. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So we have to have this newness of life. We have to all have a true heart transplant in order to be different. See, that's what the plain mark of Christianity is. We have to have a renewed spirit. We have to have a complete change. We have to go from the old to the new. We can't be in, in between. We can't be lukewarm, right? Lukewarm. Are you Star Wars fans coming out, right, later in December? Lukewarm. Don't be Luke. See, even even Darth Vader knew who the father was, right? Because what did he say? Luke, I am your father, right? So um, we we have to be renewed. We have to continue to be somebody different than who we are. We have to have a clear mark and a distinction. If people see our lives before and after... That's one reason why sometimes our family is the worst to get along with, because they know who we used to be, and now they see who we are. So, of course, you go through those phases. Oh, you're the Holy Roller, the Bible Thumper, you're this, you're that, because they don't believe it's true until years down the road. Right, Pastor? Amen. Yeah, amen. Sometimes they never do. Well, it just uh, improves our prayer life. That's how I look at it. All right. Yeah. Pray more. Don't crucify him but pray for him. All right, a spirit indwelling. God gives grace, mercy and acceptance and acceptance to his people through Christ Jesus. See, those that are unsaved and are far off, those that are in rebellion, he reconciles them back to himself. Those of us that are saved, we're living for Christ, but we feel estranged from because of our sin. He restores us. He wants all of us, the ones sitting in this room and the ones out there, the ones that you guys go minister to at the FBOR, the ones that we go to the prison for, the ones at Planned Parenthood, all of us together. He wants us all to enjoy communion with him. He wants us to fellowship with him and to receive his approval. Again, we have to have a renewed heart in order to do this. See, if we want that spirit of Christ, we have to walk as he walked. That's what 1 John tells us. 1 John 2, 6, he says, Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Um, let's talk about the ways of Christ the way that God commands them. in Deuteronomy 5 29 turn there real quick yes. keep his commands y'all doing okay yes. alright y'all got, y'all got serious I don't know if y'all enjoying this or y'all falling asleep no, no, amen alright brother good there. There. if we're running late praise God Brenda's is open right okay amen Deuteronomy 529, keep his commands. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always, not sometimes, but always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Again, we see this in the scripture. Not only will it go well for you, but it'll go well for your children, for your descendants. Are we getting a picture here, guys, that our salvation, our walk with Christ is not just about us. It's about others around us. It's about your children. It's about the descendants that will come after you. So we need to take it serious. So I don't know where you are with your walk with Christ, but it's time to analyze it right now. It's time to do a heart check because if you have kids, you look into their eyes, you look into their heart. The Lord has ordained them for you. He's put you over them. You are responsible for these kids. If you don't have children, you will, just like with Abraham. He promised to send us some land. He'll give you children. If that's what your heart desires uh, are, he'll give them to you. My brother can to that, huh, Daniel? Yeah. Amen. We pray and we seek God, and he'll give us the desires of our heart, even if it is five years later. But the good thing about that is it makes you appreciate more what you have when you get it. Because, you know? again, our God is not a God on demand. You know, We don't just turn him on Netflix and go switch to him, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's God in our time. 1 Peter 1.16 sixteen. First Peter 1.16 We're going to see how we need to be holy as He is holy. First Peter one sixteen. Yep. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. See, it is written because even Peter knew this. He was referencing Leviticus 11.44. Again, getting instructions about how we need to live life. We're not just standing on what we know, but what has been written before us. That's the nice thing about everybody we read about in the New Testament. They had the law to fall back on. You know, those guys back then... They just had to rely on God himself, right? They, they didn't have anything to read except the Torah. Yeah. Um, flip over to Second Peter 1, 3 through 8. We're going to see how we start to give, how God gives us instructions. All right, verse 3. His, defined, His divine power has given us everything we need for life. "...and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate." Again, we have to do something. We're going to be called to action. We're not just sitting there. "...we'll be called that you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires." For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's about Yadah Yahweh. We have to experience Him. We have to do something. It's an action. We don't just get to know Him by all the knowledge. He gives us instructions for this on purpose. We have to make every effort to add to our faith day and night. We have to renew our minds at all times. Continue to get in His Word. Talking about instructions. Let's look at uh, Psalm 119. Well, Psalm 119. This is where it talks about we know Him through His Word, but we still have to uh, experience Him. Have you ever read Psalm 119 in its entirety? Yes. I know that's uh, 176 verses. The theme there is is, is, it's about His Word and about doing His work. It does just it, it describes and defines what the writings are. Um, see, when I said yes to Jesus, I was going to take time for us to go ahead and read Psalm 119, but I'll uh, we'll save that for you guys to do. Again, that's where you can get that experience with God. You sit alone by yourself and read all 176 verses. Of Psalm 119. And I tell you. He'll pour out a blessing on you. That you have not experienced before. Um, So when we say yes to him. Psalm 119 is exactly what we're saying yes to. Because these are the very instructions. About living faithful. Um, See the writings are there. To help us continue to live faithful. In Deuteronomy 6. 4 through 6. Um, let's go to that I want to read it Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 through 6 you up quick hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. See, so that's what the Jews refer to as the Shema. Is that right? Shema? Shema? Shema. Shema. And what it is, it's talking about the law of the prophets and the writings to where we, the law, He inclines our hearts, the prophets, they warn us, and then the writings, Psalm 19. Psalm 119. Tells us how to live faithful for Christ. Amen. Let's look at Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. Psalm 19. There, there. 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 So we're talking about instructions. <clears throat> so this section... Psalm 19, 7 through 11. Um, for those of you who took marriage counseling already with the pastors, you'll know that uh, this is a marriage contract given to us from God. Okay? That is what we call the ketubah. The ketubah means, in Hebrew, the written thing. And that is what outlines our rights and responsibilities of both the husband and the wife. See, it's a binding contract that cannot be broken. K-tubas. This, guys, is our ketubah right here. We each have one. We possess it. You put that slide up if we have it, please, of the ketubah. See, what a ketubah is, it's a written contract. So in Jewish culture, so for, again, you guys that are in the Acts class, there's our cultural reference. We have a ketubah. It's a written contract, right? And what it is, both the husband and the wife, they sign it, and then they give it to the bride. So that way she can keep it because it's very ornamental, as you can see. It's not just a piece of paper, but they usually frame it, hang it on the wall. um, And the bride keeps it as a keepsake. But what we see here is that our Bible is the Ketubah. We are the bride of Christ. So we get to have our contract with God, a binding contract, and we get to keep it forever. So it needs to be written upon our hearts so that way it stays with us forever. So here's a question. Can you see what God has done for us through these scriptures that we've talked about? So we need to understand the importance of knowing Him through His Word. Not just knowing Him by knowledge, but by knowing Him through His Word. We have no excuse for not knowing Him because we all should have a ketubah. So I'll ask you, what idols or keeping you from the Word, the Word that can purify you, that can renew your heart. Sometimes we have to analyze our heart and ask, what is it that's keeping us from doing the very things that we should be doing? The things that keep us from coming to church, the things that keep us from Monday night foundations, the very thing that God has planted most of us here for. I know some of you grew up in the church but many of us, we moved here for this. We have to be careful what idols we're letting in our life that's keeping us away from God's Word. The further we are away from Him, the less we can be purified, the less that we can have a renewed heart. So we need to make sure we're putting the idols in check in our life. Romans twelve two. We're supposed to renew our minds daily. It says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing perfect will. And again, this is one of those scriptures that we have to put in a personal application. What is his perfect will for you? What is it that he's asking you to do? Where is it that he's drawing you? What promised land has he called you to? What land has he called you out of? that he's bringing you to husbands we're the head of the house we talked about shalom we talked about the revelation from the word purity that we're the head god is our head but are we doing all that we can do to really know god and continually to regenerate our hearts so that way we could lead our families according to the god standards and not our own and even better not even to the world standards we have to be called men of God, not just called of this world. Ephesians five twenty-five 25 and, and 26 talks about how us as husbands must wash our wives with the word. Amen. It says, I'm going to go there because I don't have it written down. Um, Ephesians five twenty-five. I want to read it because that blessed me. And I know it'll bless you. Says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So, guys, it goes beyond just ourselves. That's what I was saying earlier. The decisions we make in life affect more than just ourselves it affects everyone around us it affects everyone that God has entrusted us as men as husbands we are responsible for cleansing our wives for washing them in the word and we should do it daily I know guys we get busy with work we get busy with this and that because we are the head of the house we have a lot of responsibilities but we cannot allow those daily responsibilities to overcome us To where we're not even getting in the word of God. If we're not renewing our minds. How in the world do we expect to be able to cleanse our wives. And to wash them and bathe them. You know we have to take a bath before we can bathe others right. Single people. Hmm. You're not out of the woods. okay? (laughs) You're not married. That means you have a lot more time on your hands than we do. I'm not saying you're not busy. I'm not saying you don't work. But what I'm saying is. You're not responsible to a family yet at this point. We're speaking it into existence. Right, Noah? Amen. Amen. God has things for us. So I bring that up about single people because sometimes you guys can have a lot of idle time or idle time. A little play on words. How about that? We can sit around. We can do nothing. We can not experience God. Or we can have idle time to where we say, you know what? I don't want to just say I was sitting around on the couch all day. So I want to do something. However, that's something is filled with idleness. So again, you have to search your heart. What is that idol that you're filling time with just to seem like you're busy? You know? I don't know about you, but if I was single now, I didn't do it when I was single because I didn't know the Lord. But if uh, I knew him back then, this would be my idol time right here. IDLE. If I was going to worship anything, it'd be this and nothing else. Amen? Amen. Okay. We're getting to a close here. Abraham, he took the Lord's word and his calling very serious. He gave everything. He gave up everything. How many of you right now, if I was to ask, raise your hand, which I don't want to, but if I did, how many of you could honestly say that I could raise my hand and say, you know what, I've given up everything, or Lord, I will give up everything and answer the call. If you don't feel like you're at that point right now, As something for you to analyze your heart when you leave here, okay? Because we should be ready in season and out of season. I found that out Monday night. Be ready in season and out of season. Always be prepared. Always be prepared because you never know when God is going to put someone before you to share his word. You don't know when he's going to ask you to present his word. You never know what God has planned for you tomorrow. See, we have to be in his perfect will at all times. We can't just wake up and say, okay, Pastor Eric mentioned this uh, Sunday, I think, when he preached. We can't just wake up and say, okay, what am I going to do today? No, let's get in his word. Let's renew our heart, renew our mind daily, and ask him, God, what am I going to do for you today? I am your servant, so what am I going to do for you? I think a lot of times we wake up and we think that uh, God is our servant. But, you know, God, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this, and, well, I'll find time for you. Um, maybe it's Pastor Wade that preached that one that said uh, if we put God somewhere on that list instead of first we never get to him so let's wake up every morning put God first so therefore we get the will of God in our life and we accomplish what he wants us to accomplish amen, amen. amen. see uh, you would have to ask yourself how much are you allowing God to transplant his heart into your heart it's one thing just to renew your mind, but you have to have God's heart in you. That's where we get our obedience from, is by having a mind like Christ and a heart of God. Because partial obedience is no obedience. We know that. There is no second best. There's no left or right. It's only obedience. That's it. There's only one kind. If it's uh, partial, then it's not called obedience, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's close by going to Ezekiel 18, verse 30 through 32. We're going to talk about repenting and having a new heart and a new uh, spirit. Guys, I hope you have uh, learned something tonight about having a renewed heart and a renewed spirit. Okay. Therefore, O house of Israel, I will judge you, each one according to his ways. Hmm. Again, guys, personal application here. He's going to judge each and every one of us according to our ways, right? And guess what? If our ways do not line up with his ways, man, we're going to be in trouble. According to his ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses. See, again, it's our offenses. It's not his, it's ours. See, we, we, we heard in Genesis 12, and we heard in Ezekiel and, and in Exodus all the I will statements God, I will this, I will that, I will this, I will this. How fitting that all this pertains to us. It's no longer I will except for He's going to judge us because everything is about us now. So, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all your offenses that you have committed. You get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Amen. Repent and live. See so guys, the Lord doesn't ask us to do much. He only asks for our obedience. That's it. He doesn't want to see any of us perish. We all of us have the same opportunity. All We, we all have the same opportunity to serve Christ. To have His will in our life. So we need to all have a heart that is ready to be cleansed, renewed, and have His Spirit dwelling in us. We can't continue to repent, 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 but not live. See, what happens is we come to the point where we think we repent, we're good, we repent, we're good, we repent, and we're good. Problem is, is we're not living, and we're not living for Christ. So I'm petitioning you tonight. We have to take a stand at some point, and when we repent, we repent for the kingdom of God for eternal life, to live for him and nobody else. Amen. Amen.
1: Y'all give Buddy a hand. I love that cultural reference, Buddy. I happen to have been eating ribs with Rick and Susan Lawhon last night. If you've not had that experience, well, you're missing out on one of the finer things that is available to us this uh, this side of the resurrection. And somehow or another, the conversation drifted to someone that they knew that had a heart transplant. And uh, I don't remember what they said about the texture of the person's hair and the color of the hair. But I do know that they said that for the first time in their life, after the heart transplant, they had a different color hair and it was curly. And we uh, oh, we all had a good giggle about that. And it is kind of humorous to think about that you could get a heart transplant and somehow in our anatomy and physiology, I could be a redhead. I don't know how that works. And it's anecdotal. Maybe... Maybe it was a complete coincidence, but I have noticed this. When you take the verse seriously that is Buddy's text tonight, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, it shows up in every last ounce of your being on the outside. That while people may not be able to see the new heart inside of you, they certainly see what that new heart produces. His cultural reference tonight was a ketubah, and. I have read that in the first century, a ketubah would have had Kimalee's name on it and two witnesses, and Buddy's name on it and two witnesses, and then the person that performed the ceremony. In other words, there would be six signatures followed by the person who did the ceremony or seven seals on a ketubah. And... The book of Revelation is, in its essence, about a bride that's been given a new heart and married her king. And the unveiling of that is when that husband takes on the whole world for his bride. Have you been given a new heart this evening? I wanted to read you something that's not just a Misty Edwards song. This is the heart of King Jesus. Place me like a seal over your heart. Like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. Its jealousy as unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench, rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. How do you feel about the King of Kings? See, I love the way that Buddy shared people's testimonies as he gave his message. Because not only did Brent show up in the church and that inspired Buddy in the way that he moved, but I don't think the Adarmes would be here if Brent's household had not stayed in a very specific motel or hotel or however that works, extended stay, right? I don't think that if Nick and Sam had not been invited to the church that we would see peyton and hannah here i don't think if peyton and hannah had not been here that we would see chris and joy and so the story goes on and on and on the question is what do you want the new heart that he gave you to produce he doesn't just give us a new heart he cleanses us he puts his spirit in us to move us to keep his decrees in the end then we're kind of left without excuse aren't we I am proud to serve the Lord with you. If you are discouraged, don't be. Get a heart transplant. If you find an impurity, don't let that define you. Let the next filling of the Spirit cleanse you from that impurity and move you on to new things. If you are not happy with the way yesterday looked, then determine that the way today finishes will be as if you had him as a seal across your heart and arm blazing mighty love. Could y'all stand to your feet?